0: Talk of the morning is um, from Pastor Toby. Let's find his violin here. Toby Sumter serves as an associate pastor at Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. He holds a BA in liberal arts and culture from New St. Andrews College and an MA in theological studies with an emphasis in church history. He is the author of Blood Bought World and Job Through New Eyes A Sun for Glory. He is also one of the hosts of the popular TV show and podcast, Cross-Politic. He and his wife, Jenny, have four children, a golden retriever, and his favorite hobby is eating peanut butter. And also, as you can tell, the hair is moved from the top of his head to his face to get closer to the words of wisdom. So (laughs) let's welcome Pastor Toby. part of the bio. (laughs) Well, thank you, and uh, good to be back with you. I'll make this work here. Use my computer this morning. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on our time. Our Father, we give you thanks for your goodness and your grace to us in Jesus, and we thank you for calling us out of darkness and into his light. Father, we thank you that Uh, Because of the gospel, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, everything we do can now be done in the light. So Father, we ask that as we consider these things before us, uh, what it means to live in this world and communicate with one another and love one another and work alongside one another, Father, we pray that you would give us light so that we might walk with you in the light and have fellowship with one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Funny, true story, the uh, title, Alien Communication 101, Relationships with People from a Different Planet. I got the uh, title and uh, sent a note fairly quickly to Miss Abby saying, so is this just about dealing with people in general or unbelievers? And she said, actually, I was thinking about men and women. (laughs) Right. That's why we're having this talk. <laughs> so we've got issues. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, I thought that was hilarious. And I think Abby did too. Um, the uh, a, Another um, not, not nearly as funny in my opinion, but still funny, is the fact that, um, uh, I don't know, a little ways into this, preparing for this a week or two ago, uh, Abby said, is there any way you could stretch this talk um, to like, you know, closer to 45 minutes or an hour or something like this? And I said, I was thinking to myself, you're talking to a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) 30 minutes wasn't going to (laughs) happen. So um, anyways, all right. Um, In in some ways, this talk and my talk this afternoon are going to be two sides of the same coin. Um, So I just want to kind of frame this. So this afternoon, I'm talking on... um, uh, what is it, something about singles in the church, singles using their gifts in the church, I think is the title, something like that. Um, and so I just, I think it's probably helpful if you kind of keep that in the back of your mind. So there'll be some things that I say now in this talk that really do need to continue to be applied in the second talk um, and vice versa, even as I'm going through things in the second talk, think, oh yeah, that applies back to what he said earlier um, in the first talk. So just um, keep, keep that in mind. So we're Christians, Um, And so we want to think and act like Christians in every area of our lives. Um, This includes how we think about, plan, and execute our dealings with members of the opposite sex. But it's one thing to say we ought to do this, and it's another thing entirely to actually do it. Another way uh, we could say this is that you want all of your relationships to be by grace through faith. You want all of your relationships to be by grace through faith, so what i 'm trying to do with that um, with that phrasing is say, "You know what you believe about Jesus over here now, pull that with you all the way over here into your dealing with that coworker. Draw that over here to what to, to that dealing you have with um, that friend who you think is just a friend, but you 're not sure. Um, or the fact that um, uh, you're lonely. Or uh, the the fact that um, uh, there are bumps or strains or challenges or confusions in various uh, friendships and relationships you have. So take this thing, the gospel, what you believe about your, your place in Christ and hold it together with that. Make it come together. And so I think it's helpful to do that by saying something very explicit like, I want to think about this relationship by grace through faith because that's how we're Christians, by grace through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Some of the good works... Some of the good works that God has prepared beforehand include activities, friendships, Bible studies, worship, uh, dates, courtships, and marriage to a member of the opposite sex. So those are some of the good works that God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. But the only way your relationships will be part of that work of art created in Christ Jesus is if they are pursued by grace through faith. That's the way we, um, we aim at that. So we want everything that we do to be part of that um, workmanship, that, um, that piece of art, which is what the Greek word actually means, that is created in Christ Jesus. So we want all of it to be that. And Paul tells us here very clearly that the way that that happens is by grace through faith, because it's part of the work of salvation that God is doing in us. It's not our works Uh, It's not our smoothness. It's not our um, natural facility with language or lack thereof. It's by grace through faith. And when we say by grace through faith, we mean completely surrendered to Christ. Completely surrendered to Christ. All of our problems are caused by ignoring Christ entirely. So one set of problems is you don't know Jesus. Jesus. There's, there's one set of problems, um, and you just keep banging your head against um, sin and guilt and shame, and then add on to it the, just the complications of life, and there you are. Um, or else, uh, you're a Christian, you know Christ, um, but, you, but after beginning with Christ, you then leave him behind. You add on your own wisdom, your own works, to the equation at some point. Paul was addressing this Temptation with the Galatians when he said, If you have begun by the Spirit, will you now be made perfect by the flesh? Galatians 3, 3. So you got you became a Christian. He says, Now, do you think that you can just leave the fact that you are walking with Christ, that you know Christ, that you're a Christian? You think you can just leave that at home, or leave that in your private time, or your quiet, your your Bible reading time, or leave that at church on Sunday, or leave that at Bible studies? Um ha, Paul would say it's in the Greek there. Huh. um walking by grace through faith means um, walking by grace through faith everywhere surrendering it all to christ all the time walking by grace through faith also means dealing with sin and human bumps like a christian so you're a christian so you want to think about all your relationships in light of that um, I have something else here, but I think I'm going to come back to it. Um, Your own wisdom and works, apart from walking by grace through faith, will inevitably be full of your own flesh. So that's the contrast that Paul uses in Galatians 3. If you've begun by the Spirit, will you now be made perfect by the flesh? He contrasts Spirit and flesh. In the previous passage in Ephesians 2, the contrast was between by grace through faith and works. Those are the contrasts that he set up. Um, how, how are you going to be his workmanship? By grace through faith. Um, how are you going to complete? How are you going to finish strong? Well, by finishing in the power of the spirit, not uh, being made perfect by the flesh. That's not going to happen. So the word flesh um, doesn't necessarily just mean your physical body um, or, or a, a sexual um, sexuality. Um, although I think it includes those things. Um, But the flesh refers to the principles of the fall that remain in believers and in a fallen world. That's what the flesh is. So the flesh is the principles of the fall, um, the the pressures of the fall uh, that remain in believers, even after we've come to Christ, in our mind, in our body, in our spirit, in our desires, uh, but also... Uh, in the world and in the world around us. Now, before getting to some practical particulars about navigating life between the sexes, we need to understand how high the stakes are. We live in a culture that is deeply divided, and and in many ways, of course, this division goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, goes back to the animosity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and it runs down through the entirety of human history. Uh, But there are times in which Um, That divide is more obvious, um, more screamingly, achingly obvious. And I think our day is one of them. Um, And it's between those who are loyal to the world as God actually made it and is redeeming it, and those who want to remake the world according to their own whims and lusts. Um, I think for many decades, um, earlier in the 20th century, Um, this war was waged under the guise of uh, freedom from harsh fundamentalisms. So we we just don't want to be constrained and constricted by such harsh fundamentalism, was the way that the, the war was being waged. But it was with people who, you know, tucked their shirts in and combed their hair and took showers every day and probably went to church on Sunday. But they were saying, we just don't want to be constrained by such harsh Fundamentalisms and so they were pulling in a different direction, of course, it's become uh, uh, obvious and clear um, that this uh, that this animosity is um, is a full- on war it's not just a difference of opinion it's a full-on war against God, Christian marriage, family, children, um, what it means to be a human being, male and female, all of these things um, it's a war against all of it and so if you want in on this fight if you want in on this fight you need to understand that it runs right down the middle of history but it also runs right down the middle of every human heart so that war that you see out there with you know somebody you know somebody just you know just think of your the most extreme example um of the you know somebody screaming um, for whatever it is that they're um, insisting on um, that probably has to do with um, uh, um, in some way uh, destroying the body that God's given them and their family and their future and insisting that they have the right to do that and nobody can stop them and this is freedom. Um, you know, imagine that and then recognize that there's a parallel or an analog to that impulse in your heart. There, there's a parallel an analog of that in your heart um, that has to die. Um, now you know Jesus, you know Christ, you know that Christ is Lord of your heart. You've been given the Holy Spirit. He's been given to you to have power to subdue that impulse. But the impulse is still there. The impulse is still there. You still have sins to kill. So Paul says this in Colossians 3, if then you were raised with Christ— Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And then a verse or two down, he says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. So Paul's talking to Christians. If you have been raised... If you've been raised, I'm talking to you now, Paul says, you who have been raised, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, and you who have been raised, put to death your members which are still on the earth. You need to be at war here in your heart. You need to be at war uh, with fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. You need to put them to death. Sometimes when I read that verse, I think of the that scene in, in Samuel where Saul has failed to kill everything. He was ordered by Samuel, do not leave anything alive. And he left a bunch of the animals alive. And he left the king, Amalek, alive. And, um, and Samuel walks up and says, uh, what happened? And Saul says, I, I've obeyed, I did it. And Samuel says, what's that sound in my ears? Right? It doesn't sound like you did it. And, oh, right, but I just left that for sacrifices and, you know, food and whatever. I just I figured God would be great with that. And Samuel, you know, said, you figured wrong. And, and then, of course, Amalek is alive, too, which just is, is, goes to the heart of Saul's uh, treachery and treason, uh, that he has a, a, a real insidious respect for this pagan king, unwilling uh, to put him to death. And so then Samuel does what Saul should have done and takes a sword, and, and the, the, the Bible translations in a wonderful, gruesome way say he
1: hacked him to pieces. Right? That's what you're supposed to do with your sin. Hack it to pieces. Don't let Amalek live. This, this war
0: that you see out there that wants to destroy Christian civilization, that wants to destroy the beauty of human sexuality, that wants to destroy um, uh, free markets, and wants to destroy the way that God designed the world to work, that's at war with all of that, uh, it's out there, and it needs to be fought. And that's why our interaction together uh, in a community matters. But if you don't recognize that the war starts inside you, Um, You won't be much good for the fight. So the practical suggestions and recommendations now that are going to follow will only help you if you understand these first two principles: that everything we do is by grace through faith, which means it needs to be completely surrendered to Christ. It's not about you; it's about Him. It's it's not about it's not about you; it's about Him. It's not about your work; it's not about um, your wisdom. Your natural giftings, it's all surrendered to Christ. And secondarily, that you need to be at war with the flesh. You need to continue in the spirit. The practical suggestions that follow are like a, you know, a steering wheel and pedals in a car. But if you don't have the engine of the spirit under the hood, you won't make it very far.
1: All right, now I'm going to just um, do some mass
0: Gross generalizing. I'm just, I'm just telling you right here. Is generalizations, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> and some cautions. I think of this as uh, the 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 main the main exhortation for the whole talk is walk like a ninja. Okay. All right. Um, the first point that I want to make is boys and girls are different. Um. Well, there we go. But the Bible clearly teaches that God made man in his image male and female. So despite that fact, and despite the title of my talk, we're not actually from different planets, even if it seems that way. We may be from different countries and speak somewhat different dialects, but we're made in the same image. So this is our ground for deep reverence
1: for one another. That person next to you was made in the image of the infinite God.
0: And so that image ought to strike deep reverence
1: in you, whoever they are. That person bears the image of God. Deep reverence, deep
0: respect, deep honor expecting to find
1: good things amazing things interesting things even in someone who's very different from you
0: of course add to this the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so this is not me going humanistic on you everybody's good no I was, eh, sort of right? everybody's made in the good image of God and has that has remnants of that. But everyone has also
1: fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And so you know this about all people around you. This is ground for, I think, deep compassion for one another.
0: They're not perfect, just like you. They have faults. They fail. They sin. They screw up.
1: Just like you. So have compassion for one another. Mercy
0: on one another. Love covers a multitude of sins,
1: the Bible says. Forgive as you've been forgiven. We all have a common problem called sin and death and all the, that comes with that
0: saw a short interview. Maybe some of you saw this with um, Stephen Colbert was interviewed by uh, Cooper Anderson, CNN anchor, homosexual. Um, And uh, Colbert is a professing Catholic. They have this like seven minute talk. It was just released by CNN, like I think two days ago. And um, talking about human suffering and, and, and Colbert makes the point uh, he he, apparently Cooper kind of caught a, uh, a quote of, of Stephen Colbert saying um, that he is thankful for even the worst things that, that have happened in his life. And, and Cooper Anderson was just struck by that. He was, you know, his voice was cracking he was sort of broken by that. How can you say something like that? And he said, well I believe that all of life is a gift and even the hardest parts then I, I need to receive as a gift. Um, and, uh, and there's all kinds of layers and layers. And, you know, these guys have all kinds of confusions and all kinds of problems. And, um, I, and I, I don't know if, even if Colbert is a professor, I don't know if he knows Jesus, really. But, but I think they were talking about uh, the experience of being human. And there's a, there's a brief window of, that's true, right? Um, all of life is a gift. And, and it includes suffering and hardship. And so that... Um, ought to give us a deep compassion for one another. Finally, we have a common Savior, a common forgiveness. The same Spirit has been given to all who trust in Jesus, and we have
1: all been made, in Christ, joint heirs of eternal glory. So this is the ground of our hope in terms of
0: communicating with one another, in terms of life together. We have to start, though, with the, this, these basic facts. We're made in the image of God. That image has been marred by sin. We've all shared in that sin. We have a common experience of suffering and death and hardship. And there's one Savior. And in him, we all have the same salvation. This is why Paul will make that, 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 that clear claim. In, in Christ, there's... Uh, neither uh, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. All have been made sons in the Son. So this is the ground for our hope. Why, you know, why do we even bother trying to communicate? Why do we even bother trying to do life together in this world uh, with sin and, you know, our finitude and, you know, Boys and girls and, you know, add it all. You know, personality differences and quirks and everything. Why even bother? Well, because we're made in the image of God. Because we have a common problem called sin. And we have a common savior and a common salvation and a common spirit and a common inheritance. So it's worth working at. It's worth learning to do this well. All right, two, back to the... Boys and girls are different, actually. Um, God made women to be attractive, and he made men to notice. This is just the facts. I'm sorry, but I'm just here to tell you the straight truth. Adam said this when he said Eve was flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. Uh, the, I've said this a number of times in various settings, but that phrase, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, is a Hebrew phrase. Uh, comparative or superlative. Um, so in the way that in, in Hebrew, the way that, you know comparative is and superlative. We have good, better, best in English, right? Um, beautiful, beautiful or beautifulest. No, that's what you, that's no no. It's more beautiful, most beautiful, right? Okay, you're with me, you're awake now? Okay. Um, that's comparative superlative. Well in, in Hebrew they they say um, something of all the somethings. Um, the most famous one you know of is holy of holies. Right. And it is sometimes translated most holy place because that's a superlative. The other one that you might not remember, but it's, it's, it's another one uh, is song of songs, right? It's the most song, the songiest song,
1: the
0: the best song, right? Um, But that's what Adam's saying. Adam is saying, this is like me, but better,
1: Right. This is like me, but best. This is humanity 2.0.
0: And just in case you think, well, I don't know, Hebrew poetry is a little sketchy. Paul makes it all very explicit in 1 Corinthians 11, where he says that the woman is the glory of
1: man. That means she's more beautiful. She's man glorified. That's what it means to be glorified. Radiant. So
0: God made women to be beautiful. This is their glory. And it's not just physical beauty. It includes that. The physical beauty is a sign of that glory. But it's also the beauty of making life. The beauty of making beautiful things. And making things that are okay, glorifying them making them more glorious. So think of the glory of a woman being her beauty. Think of it in that broad sense. Making beautiful things, making
1: life, giving life, filling others up with life, giving glory. And the glory of men is their strength. I said
0: this last night in the roundtable conversation. The glory of men is their strength. This is their glory. It's and 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 this is again. Think of this broadly. It is ordinarily uh, the sign of that is ordinarily in the strength of young men physically. This is being you know sort of the whole reductio ad absurdum arguments being run before us, and all of the trans athlete attempts. Um, it's like
1: you know, nah, it's not working. It's not going to happen. Um, So this is the way God made the world.
0: And it is not a sin to recognize this or notice this or give thanks to God for this. The world is better for this. This is by God's design. He made men strong. It's their glory. It's their gift. They're to use their strength for the blessing of the world. They're to use their strength sacrificially. And this is a great gift to the world. God made women beautiful. He made them to make things beautiful, to beautify the world. And this is not a sin to recognize. This is glorious. This is good. And we ought to give thanks to God for it. But sin warps everything, including this. And so men sinfully desire beauty, and women sinfully desire to be desired. And these sinful desires mixed together with some of the godly forms of these desires. And then all of our attempts to master them. And it sort of just piles together into a big tangle. So when Paul warned Timothy, he urged him to treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with all purity. 1 Timothy five two. Treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. And the related command to women is found earlier in the letter, 1 Timothy chapter 2, where he says, let the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So in general, God made the world this way. And so, men, you're to walk with the women around you in all purity. You're to give thanks for the way God made the world, and you're not to uh, uh, covet and grasp for what God has not given to you. And, uh, women, you are to walk in all modesty, propriety, moderation, not trying to draw unnecessary attention to yourself,
1: but to adorn your lives with good works and godliness. Three, Paul instructs wives to respect their husbands and husbands
0: to love their wives in Ephesians 5. But this is not because wives do not need to love their husbands or that husbands do not need to respect their wives, right? Um, No, it's because men naturally communicate in terms of respect. And so they need to be reminded to love. And women naturally communicate in terms of love. And they need to be reminded to respect. So if we want to talk about um, uh, men and women speaking different languages, this is a good place to start. Um, this is a place where the Bible is, is speaking to that. Um, and again, these are mass generalizations, um, but they're biblical generalizations. So I'm reasoning from the instructions given to husbands and wives more broadly to our lives in general. Men tend to communicate naturally in terms of respect. Uh, we uh, tend to appreciate praise for good work, good job, well done. Uh, that was a great how you, you did that. Um, that's, that's how men communicate, and it's the kind of food that men really like to eat. It's, it's, um, it's how we function. Uh, women tend to communicate naturally in terms of love, of care, of uh, friendship and concern. Uh, This is all fine and good as far as it goes, but it can make for miscommunication and misunderstanding um, even outside of marriage. So this is the thing that you have to remember in marriage because there you are um, close up and personal. Um, But you also need to remember it even at the workplace. You need to remember this um, in life and community, in the church, in your neighborhood. Um, This is just kind of generally how it goes. A man uh, showing a woman respect could be mistaken as showing some kind of romantic interest. But if he says you have a good throwing arm, he might just mean you have a good throwing arm. And he's really impressed. A woman showing a man friendship or care may also be mistaken for showing some kind of romantic interest when all that was meant was just an act of kindness. Add to this the tendency that men have to be mission oriented and for women to be relationship oriented. Right? Men tend to be about the mission. We are problem solvers. Um, we have some goal orientation that we're, um, we're after. And so that's what we focus on. Um, it, you, you, you're fixing the car, you're building something, you're, you're trying to figure out what's wrong with something. And that's what you're focused on. And in the middle of working on the car, it would be the weirdest thing in the world to ask the guy next to you, how do you feel about this? That's not the problem. Now, we express how we feel all along the way. We kick things and throw things and make make comments, but that's just right out there. We don't need to ask, right? But women tend to be concerned about how each person is doing along the way. And that tends to be more where the focus is. Lewis says somewhere that men tend to be friends side by side working on a project together while women tend to be friends
1: face to face. Men tend to assume everything is fine unless it obviously isn't. So
0: if you ask me how, I'm, you know, how my r- friendship or relationship is with some, some guy, I run through a, a quick inventory of, um, has he tried to firebomb my house recently? Did <laughs> he call me names on the internet? No, we're great. We're great. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Josh were great. We're doing great. Yeah. Totally cool. You guys didn't punch me recently at all. We're great. Right? Lack of something being wrong means everything's fine in man's world because we're problem solvers. We're just thinking about the problems that need fixing and women tend to assume something's wrong if there hasn't been regular affirmation. I haven't heard from her in a little while. I wonder if there's something wrong, Should never occur to a man. <laughs> Just, just saying. So all of this, you know, these, these things, respect, love, um, the orientation to um, mission and problem solving, the kinds of the ways that men naturally relate to one another and the ways that women tend to relate, thinking about the relationships, thinking about um, how people are doing. Um, these are gifts. And glories, they really are, because you know you think about this. Um, you know, most of the the significantly insane things that um, human beings have done, you know, were some guy's idea. You know, we're I know. Let's launch people to the moon. Yeah. Right. How will we do that? Well, if we put enough explosives under them, we can get them there, <laughs> right? We will blow things up and we will get them there, okay? Now, that's grand and all, but you know, I mean, how many countless women were there along the way? Keeping those people alive, <laughs> a lot, right? Um, and again, this is, and this is mass gross generalizations, but glorious generalizations. Um, you, know, the, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, Edison's light bulb. I mean, like, you know, what would his house look like while he was doing that? It was a wreck, I'm sure. Unless his wife was there caring for him and keeping it. I mean, how, how long would he go without a shower? Right? He, that's not the point. I'm making a light bulb. You don't need to be clean to make light bulbs. Right? <laughs> You know, and, and you, you can go even days probably, and you're like, oh, I need to eat. Oh my goodness. And you probably remember to eat occasionally. But you, there's this focus. And that's a gift, it's also a liability. Right? Because you're, you're focused on something and then you're not thinking about other things. The focus is helpful and good, but you need help to remember the other things. Women, on the other hand, tend to be multitaskers. Think about the brain. Of, of, of a man and, and a woman in general, you know, if, if it's a bunch of filing cabinets, the way men function is we take a drawer out, we take a file out, we take a piece of paper out, we think about it, we do what we need to do, we put it back in the file, we put it back in the drawer, we close the door. So that when you ask him, what is he thinking about, and he says, nothing, he's telling you the truth, <laughs> right? It's one thing or nothing, basically. And if there's a second thing, it was an accident. <laughs> How did that happen to me, right? And the woman sat like 15 filing cabinets open and the file folders are out and the papers are going and and she's killing it. Now she's also maybe having to struggle with worry
1: and anxiety and stress, but she's probably getting it done, right? That's her glory. She's doing all of
0: these things. And, but um, because she's, got this broad focus, um, she sometimes needs help seeing which one is first. She sometimes needs help focusing. And that's why she needs a man, a father, brother, a friend, husband, in her life saying, this is more important than that. Prioritize this. Oh, thank you. Great. Okay. And so these are glories, gifts, it's why we need one another. It's also why we, you know, this is why you know, you're in the middle of a conversation with your sister or your mom or, or, or a, a gal and, and, and she can go from, you know, X to B. And you were sitting there looking at X very carefully, gentlemen, and you think, what happened? <laughs> how, how, how did we get there? Well, she had all the filing cabinets open and she was thinking about A through Z while you in your small little mind No, we're concentrating on X because she mentioned X and that's what you were talking about. And you remember that
1: very vividly. Now, I want to argue from all of this. First of all,
0: it's glorious. It's good. It's wonderful to appreciate it, reverence it, think highly of it. Um, In first Peter three, Peter exhorts husbands um, to honor their wives as weaker vessels, right? Honor the thing that you think is a weakness. And, and, the, and there's, I think there's ways in which he means it literally, like they really are, they're weaker and they need more help. We talked about that a little bit last night with, uh, with Rachel and and they need physical defense they need to be protected they need to be provided for that's a literal weakness a physical weakness that paul peter says honor that don't despise it um and there might be other things that would fall under there where it's you think it's a weakness it's a weakness
1: compared to what you are made for but it's her strength it's her glory um uh, you know, Pastor Wilson has used the example before,
0: you know, what's better, a hammer or a teacup? Well, that's a stupid question. Better for what? Right, a, te- well, a teacup is better for tea. A hammer is better for hammering nails, right? If you try to drink tea out of your hammer, you know, good luck. If you try to pound nails with a teacup, not so helpful, right? And so figuring those things out is, is part of walking in this world in wisdom. And, and Peter says, honor those differences. Think highly of them. Think about them in terms of God making the world this way, and it's for our good and for our blessing. But I also want to argue
1: that that honor, that respect, necessitates a kind of distance. We live
0: in a world that basically wants everything to be utterly informal and familiar. Familiar. Right? This is, I mean, this is the insidiousness of a of a TV show like Friends. Uh, this is more my generation, but you've maybe heard of it or seen reruns or something. Um, but it, it's this idea that these men and women can sort of just live together in constant familiarity, and of course that includes necessarily that they're basically bed hopping over the seasons. And somehow they can all remain friends and basically happy through it all and that's friendship and i would
1: i would insist that actually it's um it's evil it's absolutely disrespectful what honor does is it insists on a certain amount of distance
0: respect insists on a certain amount of distance And so I wanna urge you because of these differences, because of these glories, to keep opposite sex friendships warm,
1: but distant. If she's not your mom, your sister, or your spouse, or your grandma, right? Then it's inappropriate to say we're close. Um, you can't be just friends and don't waste a bunch of your time overthinking it and, and revel in that glory in that I'm a woman. Of course I can't be friends with you. Now,
0: can you be friends in the sense that, you know, you go to church together and you, you know, there's, there's the, the, whatever the, um, we're gonna go down to Lewiston and float down the, you know, do a floating trip with all the all the people. Yeah, sure, you can be friends in that sense. You you, you go
1: do activities together on occasion, but no, you're not friends like that. Speaking of friends, four, choose your friends very carefully. Choose your friends very carefully. Proverbs 1226.
0: 12, 1226 12, says the righteous should choose his friends carefully.
1: For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Do you choose your friends? This is something that again is sort of foreign
0: to us in this world. I, because I think this is, a, this is Darwinism that sort of seeps into our
1: thinking, but we think that friendships just happen randomly, right? Like random mutation.
0: I don't know how it happened. We just became friends. Now, I understand the sense of that in some situations. I understand the feeling of that, and I'm not saying it never, it, it's always this intentional, and then I decided that Joe would be my friend, and I called him, and I said, will you be my friend? <laughs> guys okay, don't don't be weird <laughs> but but the bible says to choose your friends
1: carefully that's what the righteous man does That's what a righteous woman does i believe
0: that all things being equal you ought to think that your closest friends will either be blood relatives your parents your siblings or wiser, older members of the same sex. Parents, older brothers, sisters. We've gotten into our minds that friends are those who are basically our peers. And again, you you can be friends with your peers, but I don't think you ought to think of that as being your closest friends. Because what are friends for? Well, Friends,
1: your closest friends, are the people who you know would be willing to wound you in love. Who are watching out for you. Who are watching which way you're going. Now, there is an occasional peer who will do that. That's really hard in peer-to-peer relationships. It tends to be hard. Now, it happens. It's occasionally a gift,
0: but I think at all things being equal, you ought to think of an older brother, older sister, parents, um, a, 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 someone who's in a class or two ahead of you, uh, someone who's like an older brother, like an older sister, like a mom, like a trusted aunt, someone who's willing to tell you the truth, knowing that it's likely to hurt your feelings. That's what a friend is for. Right? Which is why I think the Bible actually would invite us to think of our parents as our friends. Now, not in an informal way.
1: Again, think of the respect, the honor. But this is, I mean, your parents have loved you by correcting you. That's what love does. And I know some of your parents are not believers. I know that some of your parents have failed. Well, all of our parents have failed. Some of them have failed dramatically, unrepentantly. Nevertheless, you ought to think of your closest friends, your best friends, as the
0: ones who would be willing to wound you because they love you. Number five, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. I mean this in at least two directions. First, just be honest with yourself about your intentions and your
1: emotions. Don't lie to yourself, God, or your friends about anything. Don't lie about why you're doing this dinner party. Don't lie about why you're going on this hike. Don't lie about why you're in that Bible study. No, I'm not saying you... You know, Rachel was talking last night.
0: I'm not going to go around. She I'm not going to go around telling everybody I want to be a wife and a mom. That's why I'm in this Bible study. <laughs> now, I, I agree with her. I don't think you need to
1: advertise that. But don't lie about it either. Don't say, you know, you know don't, don't make claims that are just not true. If you start lying there, that's a great way to just start lying more. Lies tend to
0: multiply. Be good friends with the kind of people who will ask you the straight whiskey questions. What's going on here? Is there anything going on here? What are you thinking about? And related to guarding your heart, just don't let your imagination run wild. Um, you know, Lust is in, it comes in different shapes and forms and, and tends to be different between men and women but it's letting your imagination run unchecked in various ways. Don't do that. Six, don't sleep with someone emotionally if you're not allowed to go to bed with them physically. This is related to that point about distance. But again, we have this, uh, we've been indoctrinated uh, by the world and basically saying you can be completely intimate, really, really close with somebody emotionally socially and and something a lot of christians are just duped by this and then they say yeah but of course i'm
1: pure i'm gonna be chased no don't sleep with someone emotionally if you're not allowed to go to bed with them physically and connect the dots here don't act like a couple if you aren't
0: don't act like a couple if you aren't or don't intend to become a couple This includes things like, you know, being team leaders for something, or organizing regular outings together (laughs) with friends, leading a Bible study together, going places together, carpooling. Oh, we're just carpooling. You know, going to the same place at the same time as carpooling. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, what are you practicing for? What are you practicing for? So God designed the world with a certain kind of gravity, a current, It's pulling you in a particular direction. And even when everyone is being good and pure and no one has evil intentions or nefarious intentions, there's a current that God put in the world that's just pulling you. And so if you have no intention of being in a relationship, then don't have ongoing regular
1: contact and communication. You cannot become close emotionally
0: and have no challenges. And the challenges may not always be sexual. I I point to that obvious challenge. But I think sometimes people have difficulty getting along or just running into weird communication snarls for the very same reason. You weren't designed to be this close. You just weren't designed for that. So even if nobody's having lust problems or purity problems, you might still be having snarls and communication problems because you weren't intended to be that close. It works in marriage. It works in family. And if you don't have those kinds of protections and frameworks in place, you're probably asking for problems. So again, go back to, so keep a warm distance emotionally. I know there's situations where you have to work together. Work together, get the job done, warm, distant. We're not friends. We're getting that job done. And even there, of course, be careful. I mentioned this last night in the Q&A, and this is my last point. Be very careful professionally. Egalitarianism has swept through our culture such that we don't even know when we're in danger anymore. I would urge you, don't do anything alone with a member of the opposite sex who's not a relative or spouse where there are not lots of windows and witnesses. And this is for everyone's protection. Uh, Everyone. And, you know, there's, there's real temptations. There's the uh, possibility of misunderstandings. There's the possibility of false accusations. I mean, me too, and all, all this stuff, right? I mean, we just, it's a crazy world and, um, and, the, um, and I think people just should have double, triple protections. And if you're called out as being a prude or a weirdo or whatever, then, you know, glory to God.
1: If you're a real estate agent, don't take a woman into a, a house alone. Say, but that's what they do. Yeah, but you're a Christian.
0: Right? Uh, if you're a plumber, Don't work on someone's house alone if it's only you and a woman alone together in the house. If you're the woman, leave. Let them in and get out. Don't work late at the office alone. Don't go on lots of business trips together with a member of the opposite sex. Be very careful professionally. There are a lot of assumptions, oh, this is fine, this is just professional. As if you say, well, it's for work. That somehow just sort of like, oh, okay, it's fine then. Right? Because there's never any affairs at work. No, right? This is, what, this is where it's, it's happening. You know, there's, there's problems all the time because people are foolish. So keep the gospel central. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's where you want to be. You want to be in that light. And that means walking by grace through faith in obedience to Jesus, pursuing his wisdom. That means surrendering everything to him. It's all his It all belongs to him. And so you say, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? Not coming up with your own ideas, not walking in the flesh, your own wisdom, not your own good works, but by grace through faith. On the one hand, this means being biblically wise in all your dealings, thinking biblically about it, asking God to give you the mind of Christ. On the other hand, this means giving it all to the Lord and then not overthinking it either. Uh, A lot of time can be wasted in overthinking it. You do what you can do to be wise and holy and pure, and then have fun and and refuse to be be boxed in by, I don't know, unbiblical assumptions or pagan uh, views or accusations. Um, The point of walking by grace through faith is to be free. Uh, so that you are not fearful, so that you're not worried, so that you're not hampered by um, these problems. It sets you free. So do what you can do. Obey God. Love those around you. Reverence them. Think highly of them. And then have fun and be free. There you go. I'm done now.